right, so today on the podcast, we have Jay Matthews. He is the athletics director at Briarwood Christian School in the greater Birmingham area. Coach Matthews and I met in 2013 uh, after a game. He was offensive coordinator for the opposing team, and I was defensive coordinator for for my team. And uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, I think he, I think the world of him, and I know you will too after listening to this podcast. All right, we got Coach Jay Matthews on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Coach, I think it's been since 2013 since we've seen each other. It's good to see you. Zach, good to see you. Uh, still impressed with the defense I had to go against when you were running it. So I appreciate you as a coach. I know that. Oh, man, geez. We, uh, coach, uh, I stole that from a guy named Kenny Dallas, who I'll send a link to this too. And we just played three, four, two, man. And we had really good players. Like this wasn't, yeah. I mean, good coaching is way more about having the guys, you know. Um, but man, your scheme was so good. It was so hard to, to defend. I remember that. I was like, man, this guy's a really good coach. I want to get to know him, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I remember at least one of those years, I'm up in the box, I'm watching. And it's just a three-two box, what we call Bama box, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like, we don't have a play in our playbook. We can call because <laughs> y'all were y'all were just better. We, if you can't run against five in the box, and you're in trouble, you know. So uh, we Coach, were in trouble. When you, have, when you got a couple of Division One guys in there, you know that, that's what happens. You know, and <laughs> it's just it's a high school football though is so cool because like that's one of the only places that happens, right? So you get like a guy who who one of those guys played in the NFL for a minute. It can, it can play against a kid that's going to like leave high school and go become an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so that's cool, cool to me. I don't know. That's good. Um, so coach, please introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, you have a very long successful history yeah. and uh, um, just go from there. Yeah. Jay Matthews um, was quarterback at Banks high school in Birmingham uh, through the eighties and Walked on uh, Alabama, played for uh, Coach Bryant's last team his last year. I was a wishbone quarterback his last year. Okay. Uh, finished up as a uh, student uh, assistant for the Bryant uh, dormitory. Uh, then I uh, went to work, uh, graduated from Alabama in 87, went to work for Broadwood Church a couple of years, got married, and then in 1991, uh, went from the church to the school, Broward Christian School, and uh, Hall of Fame coach uh, Fred Yancey hired me to be the quarterback coach mm. uh, and just progressed from there. I uh, became the offensive coordinator there in 95, and we won three state championships, uh, 3A, moved up to 5A, and then I became a head coach in Nashville in uh, 2004 mm. and was a head coach there in seven years. Uh, for seven years and then um, went three and seven, five and six, and they made a change. <laughs> and uh, so I found myself back at Briarwood. And then uh, I've been coaching and administrating here. Uh, last four years, I've been the athletics director here. I coach quarterbacks. Mm. Uh, just got through hiring Coach Yancey's replacement. That was kind of fun. Mm. Uh, and then um, and we're just having a, a ball down here. I, I love what I do. It's a challenge this year with COVID really mm. been challenging but it's also been a blessing you know mm, absolutely um yeah we were talking about the challenges of you know losing the job and going forward and man coach you're, you're just so wise listening to you to you talk about that talk a little bit about kind of what got you into coaching like why did you want to like what was like your drive to do that what made you want to get into it 
So I'm, I'm a little bit strange in that my junior year, I told my friends that I wanted to be a coach. Uh, and I played for David Cutcliffe. He was my high school head coach. And oh, Coach wow. Cutcliffe has been my mentor uh, for all these years. Uh, he and I stay in touch fairly regularly. And so Coach Cutcliffe had such an impact on me. And really all my coaches did, but I, I just, it's just something I wanted to do. And uh, it's funny, I went into youth ministry for a few years, but really knew that I was going to be looking for teaching and coaching job. I got my degree in English and physical education. And I wanted to teach English and coach football. Mm-hmm. Would never have imagined I would have ended up all at Christian schools uh, the whole time, but mm-hmm. it, it's been a blessing. So early on, that's what I wanted to do, you know. That's awesome, Coach. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was drawing plays on like the church bulletin back, you know, way back in the day. Offensive plays, and you know, I got a chance to do defense, and that's how we met. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's a calling though, right? I mean, I feel like people just kind of know when they know. What do you think about that? Yeah, and especially today. I mean, I don't think you have any coaches left in the game anymore. They're there except for mostly the right reasons. It's too hard a job. The, the certification is too hard. Uh, there's never, you know, I say there's never been a harder time uh, than today to coach any sport in this culture, but there's also never been better opportunities. So if you're the right kind of person, and I think if you're doing it the right, right way and, and willing to take your lumps, it's, it's a wonderful profession. And I get up every day just very thankful that I get to do what I do, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest profession in the world in my opinion. And, you know, some days are good, some days are bad, but at the end of the day, you're trying to help young men become better young men and, uh, you know, trying to help your team be the best it can be. And some years that's different, right? I mean, right. you can speak, you could speak to that too. And I would love to hear your thoughts on like, what do you do, you know, when you know your team's probably not going to be as good. So like, I mean, you put in the same effort, right? But I mean, you got to kind of sometimes think about, you know, the W's and L's may not be the same as maybe the year before when you had a little better talent. Yeah, and I was very lucky uh, all the way through high school. And you know, we had a stretch at Broward. I think we won 112 games and lost eight or something mm. like that, something ridiculous. And so I was always fortunate, kind of was always on winning teams and winning programs and kind of had that confidence. And But um, but one of the years, uh, 2009, I think it was, we went three and seven. Mm-hmm. And looking back, uh, it was maybe the most enjoyable coaching year I've ever had because we mm. were outgunned literally every game. But our mm. guys went in, especially the seniors that year, and mm. played like crazy. And we were in mm. every ball game right up until the fourth quarter. And usually in football, the better team finds a way to win at the end, you know, unless they just sure. kill themselves. And mm. our guys, they kept their hopes alive and their attitude was great. Uh, people didn't really mm. see that, but they never had a defeated attitude mm. or practices were amazing. And so in the long run, I've just, though it wasn't what we would want as far as uh, achievement, I still feel like sure. it was a successful year. Absolutely. I, you know, this past season for us was a, a tough one, but man, I like the kids just fought and fought and fought. I mean, we were down like eight starters due to injury. Mm. You know, 14 total if you count, like, kids that transferred in the offseason or kids didn't play because of COVID. So, you're, you're looking at losing 14 starters in a season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know a Division One school can overcome that mess. Right. But, um, you know, you're trying to fight and go forward. But, like, like I was talking to one of my coaches today, 
I think it's some of the best coaching that we've ever done because you're yeah. trying to find a way to, it, to even practice. Yeah. You know, like how do you practice when your numbers are like that? And I just think that's sometimes you find the gold there. Um, you know, I think about coaching at Elka and we were loaded that in 2013 and it was, you know, I've learned how to coach coach guest is a great coach. I've had him on the podcast, but like, mm-hmm. you know, when, you, when you're just better than other people, like, uh, you know, you're just like, okay, we can just do base stuff and, <laughs> go get w's you know like we can yeah. play three four two man you can't run the ball on us game's over <laughs> yeah. um you know but uh you know man it's just it's cool like having to struggle through that sometimes i think it's that's something i think some people miss it is and, and coach Cutcliffe for years has used the term winning edges mm. and i kind of stole that in that year in particular i mean we're just trying to find little tiny edges in the kicking game or mm. you know a little mm-hmm. trick play we tr- and then we were just trying to keep the game close enough that the other team may panic you know mm, uh, sure so and and then we've carried that on and that's become like a little my little personal motto is winning edges i i do the fishing oh, team man. here at Brownwood okay. and it, uh, we have a youtube channel called winning edges fishing and end up writing a little book that's on amazon.com called winning edges fishing so it took a football mentality to the fishing team. <laughs> okay. So coach, I'm talking to an author as well. Good gracious. <laughs> it, it's a self-published on Amazon and I found out fishermen don't really read. So that the sales weren't very good at all. Oh man. Cause you might have to put a blog. link to that. I've, I've been blogging since 2004, uh, okay. And so I guess I'm an old English teacher at heart, you know, so I like to express myself through writing. Okay. Coach, that's awesome, man. I, I wrote like one like defensive, like little mini book on Amazon. It's cool. Like Amazon, you can self-publish that. I think that kind of changes the game for people a little bit. Yeah. Now, am, am I getting you right? Did you write an article on the, on the four down defense one time? Oh, shoot. I wrote a, I wrote a couple for like AFCA and then yeah. like a, a blog site. And then I published a book um, through Amazon about like a, a six, one package we used a couple of years back. Yeah. Answer. See, I think I think the first time we were ever going to play you guys, we didn't have any film, a lot of film or what. And I, and I found out you're the defense coordinator. And I think I read an article on the four down defense. So we went in the game thinking y'all are an even front. And then all of a sudden, first series, no, this is an odd front team. <laughs> we better get to work. You know? Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we, man, that year was interesting. So like we had some really good defensive linemen and linebackers. So we were trying to figure out how do we lighten the box so we could stop the run with five and, how, and our mm-hmm. secondary was okay. You know, they were good players, but they weren't as good as our front. So we were trying to figure that out, which, you know, you being a guy that's called plays like that, I think that's one of the magics of being a play caller is you're trying to accentuate your strengths and yeah. then try to hide your weaknesses a little bit. Right. Yeah. In fact, it's like fishing, I used to watch a guy fish and, and you know what, where the honey hole is, but you can't cast in that hole mm. too many times in a row without scattering the fish. So you'd like to get mm. just enough fish out and then go away from them and then come back after it replenishes. So mm. I've always felt like it's a play caller. I know what the, the hole of the defense I'm trying to hit, but I'm trying to see if I can go to it, come back, go to it again a few times and try to get as much out of that before you close that hole, you know, mm-hmm. and if I make it too obvious, you'll close it sooner uh, than, than I want it to. So you, mm. you know where you really want to go, but you throw off of it a little bit of time just to try to keep the defense from 
making that adjustment too soon. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, no, it makes a lot of sense. I remember listening to Coach Malzahn. We had lunch with him one day when we were at Elka. And that was kind of cool. Like at Elka, you get to do that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. sure Briarwood's the same deal. You get coaches come in, you could just talk with like Gus Malzahn. Yeah. And he was talking about how like he only has a certain number of answers because if you do this, he's going to do that. Right. And I think that's like what you were talking about. Like, I don't want to go to it too many times, but I know I have this to counter if you give me something, something else. And it's tough. We, we played with a guy named Tim Castile for a few years that ended up playing Alabama in the NFL. And I used to say, we don't want to get addicted to Tim. And what I meant by that is we wanted to use him enough that we're going to win the game. And we wouldn't want to lose a game and not give him enough touches, but we also wanted to spread the ball around and give enough of the other guys touches so that one, they stay confident and we showcased that we have mm -hmm. the ability to go to other things. And that, listen, we would actually have coaching fights about that because I could mm -hmm. literally give it to that guy and we could score every time on just a few plays. But were we going to win a playoff game or state championship game later in the year? Mm -hmm. And his, his second year, he actually got injured in the state championship game. But because we had already showcased the ability to move the ball without him, we were still mm -hmm. able to go and move the ball and score points and win the game. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. Uh, and mm -hmm. you're always second guessing yourself. Uh, and if you ever lose the game and didn't give enough touches, you really look like a dummy, but uh, that's kind of what we used to, to, to talk about and do. Oh, no doubt coach. Coach, how did you end up transitioning into the administrative role? Is that something like you just were looking to get into or, cause I know some, like some coaches that listen to this podcast, that's something they have talked to me about wanting to do is to go from a yeah. coach to an administrator. So it just became an opportunity for me. And I will say this, when you become a head football coach or even a coordinator, mm -hmm. you become an administrator, whether you know that or not. I mean, so my seven years of being a head football coach at CPA, it became less about coaching and budgets and meeting with boosters and, um, you know, planning calendars and equipment inventory. And so if you're a, a coordinator or head coach in any large um, football program, you're learning the tools of administration. So, so that made it where, you know, when I came back to Briarwood, they, um, you know, I'd been a head coach and, and, and you're looking to, to not have a loss in salary if you can help it. So sure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a little bit about the position that they provide to match where you are. Of course, I came back, I was the Dean of Discipline for seven years. Uh, oh man. Which really was a goodness gracious. You're talking about a school of hard knocks. Uh, and then of course, uh, then I did facilities for a couple of years and then the last four is AD. So I've done a little bit of everything in my 30 plus years of doing this. Mm, that's awesome, coach. That's that's so good. I, I remember like we we would talk, we talked after the game in 2013, my first impression was, man, this guy's like first class, you know, like coach is just a, a first class up, you know, up, up front individual. And that's, that just, it speaks volumes about you. You would come over and even talk to me after, after a game like that. Well, you're so kind, you know, obviously that's been modeled for me my whole life. Uh, all the coaches I've ever been a part of have been, you know, it's always been my class coach. Bryant uh, epitomized that. I mean, he was, mm. that's, something he preached the state of Alabama every Sunday on the Bear Bryant show, you know, show your mm -hmm. class. So, and of course my relationship with Christ, you know, love of Christ compels us to 
love God and love others. And uh, we don't do it perfectly, of course, but uh, so all of that uh, being modeled and being in an environment where that's actually encouraged has been good for me. So I appreciate you saying that. That's a very kind thing, but uh, I, I meet a lot of people in this business that are those kind of people. So it's, that's what's refreshing about it. Coach, you got to tell us about what it's like to play for Bear Bryant. I mean, <laughs> like a guy is a legend. What's it, what was it like to play for him? Well, so it was his last season and he was not healthy. Looking back now, you can see that. So I don't think I got the true Bear Bryant mm. effect. Uh, but on my blog, jopsis.com, I, I did write a good bit about my experiences at Alabama and then I actually have a, uh, a, a WordPress blog called Bear Bryant Memories. Mm. They're, they're all my writings are just uh, for Coach Bryant. Every January 26, which is the anniversary of his death, I, I publish a, uh, a post that's doing some type of uh, memory of him. Either sometimes it's a guest blogger that's telling their story. Mm. Uh, but but he, he was not in great health, but the mystique was there. He was up in the tower. Um, I mean, I could tell a million stories about that season. Uh, but he was larger than life, uh, such a big man with that gravelly voice. But, uh, you know, I would say that uh, I remember a couple of our early meetings. We came as freshmen, and uh, his commitment to the kicking game made an impression on me early. You know, he said mm. it's kicking game first, then defense, then offense. He made that really mm. clear. And then uh, he had a very, I think you'll find this in interesting stories. He had a great psychological ploy that I've used this a little bit in a different way, but you know, he would mm -hmm. go up in this tower and conduct practice from the tower. Are, are you familiar mm -hmm. with that? You know? Yeah. I mean, Bobby Bowd used to have one at Florida state's practice. Yeah. I remember walking by it. So his, his assistant coaches would come to us when we were freshmen. And he said, now you guys need to know this. He said, coach Brian isn't watching all of practice. Think about this now as a psychological tactic. He's going to pick out just one player. He's going to watch you come out of the tunnel. He's going to watch you warm up. He's going to watch you go through every drill and through practice. And if you loaf one time, you will never set foot in a game for the University of Alabama. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> so you went out there and you just had this feeling, is this the day he's watching me? <laughs> you sure, know? yeah. Which – which most of the time he's actually asleep up there, I think, uh, during that oh, time. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we've done that. We've got these little trackers now, these uh, catapult, uh, you know, GPS trackers that everybody's using. And I purchased some of those and put them on the players. It's the exact same thing. Now there's like this little private coach on their back mm. just watching all their output for the practice and they can't loaf. You know? yeah, no so doubt. it's really good. How have you liked those? I mean, I know a lot of people have gone to those. I think if you don't have a coach that's kind of dedicated that his time, it's it's a difficult mm -hmm. amount of data to manage. But we're okay. fortunate. We've got a class, sports statistics class, and that's a part of uh, their classwork. They, they take the trackers and they download the data and then we put them in reports. I will say this. Uh, they've been fine. But uh, all they do is confirm what experienced coaches know is when your players' legs are dead and they need, need a little bit of rest. And uh, mm. it really confirms a lot of stuff we do by intuition. So I, I'm not mm -hmm. against it. I, I'm not an anti-technology person at all. But the, the data usually just supports what you kind of pick up just by watching the guys, you know. Mm -hmm. 
That's good, Coach. I mean, I was, I was, I think like I was watching about something about Chip Kelly a couple of years ago, and he was like first getting into that. I was like, man, mm-hmm. is everybody going to go to this now? Some of us, you know, we don't have the ability to do that. But um, I mean, like you said, like, it can you kind of confirm what I thought? Like, hey, I mean, if you're a coach, you can kind of tell when your guys need like yeah. some rest, you know? Yeah, if you've got the resources, staff to do it, I think I think it could be a winning edge, but. It, it's not a have to to have a winning program by any stretch of the imagination. And I think Huddle and some of these guys are close to actually doing some of the same stuff by just doing analytics on the film. Mm. So it's all kind of coming together, you know. And, okay. you know, my latest smartphone, I can track about as much, um, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think that just in a few years, all that technology is going to come together and, and it'll be lot cheaper and, and we'll figure out at that point, you know, how it can be used, but it's a great motivator. I, I put it on kids that I think aren't given great effort practice and mm. I'll call them in privately to say, Hey, this is the, this is this guy, a name player who did the exact same practice you did. Look at his output, look at your output. Mm. You know, what mm-hmm. is that telling us, you know, uh, yeah. and trying to encourage them to give more effort, you know? Yeah, no doubt, coach. That's awesome. Uh, so, we talked offense, but I haven't asked you about your philosophy of offense. So, like you said, you said you played for David Cutcliffe. Like, what did yeah. what did you like as a head coach and a coordinator, and as a quarterback coach? Yeah, well, I had a coach uh, probably after I'd been coordinating about six years. I had a coach stop me one time. He goes, "I figured out your secret." <laughs> so, he goes, "You like to run the ball, and that's mm-hmm. it." Yes, uh, you know, we we were. Uh, in the early nineties, we did not have a great running back. Uh, so we would basically spread the field and use the quick passing game, mm-hmm. but really just spread it out to get good run numbers, you know? So mm-hmm. I, we've always been a passing team. Uh, I've got just a lot of different beliefs about the passing mm-hmm. game, which is a lot of little things. It's not so much the plays. There's a thousand little things, including protection. But uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, if you just said, all right, I never feel like I'm in control of a football game unless we can effectively run the football, you know. Mm. But you better have the ability to throw it because if teams mm-hmm. stack the box and you and you can't throw. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, we try to be balanced. Um, mm-hmm. We like a lot of movement. Um, in the past few years, we've really gotten into reduced sets and, and shifting and movements. Uh, trying to figure out who the adjuster is on the defense and then seeing how we can impact him. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, huddles change a lot of that, Zach. Mm-hmm. We can watch it during the games, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm finding myself watching less and less of live football during the game. I'm up in the box mm-hmm. just watching the, the huddle mm-hmm. replays and taking notes. It, it, the game is changing right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had huddle sideline at first place that was the head coach and it really helped us like that was a big deal you can make simple adjustments to try to take advantage of some things you know something i really wanted to ask you about when you're talking about throwing the ball like how do you work in your receiver's hands i mean we well you're not past couple years you're you're not gonna like this answer um because we actually don't work a whole lot on catching uh we we throw and Mm -hmm. catch a lot and and here's the funny thing we've never talked much about when a kid drops a ball um, mm. I mean, 
we have our simple little coaching deal, eat it with your eyes, mm -hmm. tuck it away, you know, track the ball with your eyes, tuck it away. And of course we do all the drills and stuff, but it's almost like you, you almost don't draw attention to it. You know, if a guy just mm -hmm. drops one, it falls to the ground. We just say, we'll catch the next one. And there's mm -hmm. a little bit of a interest there. So we've never really talked about it and we just kind of do it. In the early days, we were throwing it when no one else was. I mean, we were spread when mm -hmm. spread wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. And they would go, Coach, how are y'all not dropping these balls in the game? And we just said, well, we just never talk about it. So mm, I don't know. Sure. I, there's, there is a sense in which just doing something over and over again, the repetition. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had kids that have really bad hands. And no matter what you do, they don't really improve much because it's a coordination type thing. But uh, mm. that's probably not a great answer, but that's about as honest as I can tell you. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, because, I mean, it's something as a head coach, you know, uh, well, yeah, going forward you know, thinking about like, how do you help with certain positions and, you know, how do you like make your receivers hands better? How do you, you know, help your running backs with ball security? This, those types of things. I, I love picking yeah. up the little things like that. You know, I would say most of the work we do with our receivers are learning how to get off jams and then what we call burst off the cut, you know, uh, mm. on a time clock and how to really come immediately out of the break. And then we tried to design our pass game where the quarterback, is throwing the ball on the break. So we have to do some mm. real management on that because mm. we say receivers never as open as when he's initially open. So we'd like mm. to, from a pass protection standpoint, we want the ball for medium game out on the three count, thousand one, thousand two, thousand ball. We want the ball out by then. Mm -hmm. mm. And then our receivers, we don't actually run routes by yardage. We run it by time clock because a receiver okay. may get jammed and or the speed may be different. So say a, hmm. say a curl or comeback on the thousand three time clock, we've had some receivers that go 14 back to 12, but a kid gets jammed, has a hard time getting off. He may be bursting then at 10 and only getting back to eight. But in both hmm. those situations, the time clock's the same. Hmm. So years ago, we, we, we stopped, we do still some step routes, but, most of our games past quick game were done on time clock. Hmm. It's interesting you say that. I mean, I was talking to a coach a while back and, um, you know, talking about like passing game, like, what do I like? I said, I like quick game and deep balls because I feel like yeah. it's the same timing for the quarterback. Like in the quick game, yeah. it's one, two, three balls out. And even on deep shots, it's one, two, three, maybe a hitch and the balls out, uh, you know, the intermediate passing game can get a little hairy with that. The protection comes more into play and, and things of that nature. But what are your thoughts now? Like, do you guys carry much like intermediate? You were talking about how much yeah. do you carry like your intermediate passing game? Well, it's interesting. So um, when I came back I, uh, to Broadway, I coached receivers first year. And then my dean of discipline job got so busy. I actually got out of the day-to-day mm -hmm. -day football coaching. And I noticed as I was away, we were kind of getting away from – throwing digs, digs and curls mm -hmm. and comebacks. And I think mm -hmm. in high school, a good dig route thrown on time is just mm -hmm. deadly. And I think at any level of football. So we've kind of got that meeting game back in our offense now, um, sometimes off play action. And we've got different ways. We use ER words to call mm -hmm. our digs. And then we have, you know, different – for different concepts, we have different ways we're trying to open up those dig holes. You know, sometimes we run mm -hmm. a little cue route underneath it. Sometimes we run just a clear out, you know, mm -hmm. hanger and come to dig underneath that. Um, 
Of course, we run the meshes and all that stuff as well. We've got too many concepts, to be honest with you. But, you know, on that time clock, I did a 2003, I think I did several clinics that year and had a mm. film I'd cut up high school, college, and pro, mm -hmm. all running the same concepts, smash routes and different things. And I would run the film in real time. I'd go 1,001, 1,002, 1,000 ball. Every mm -hmm. one of those films, the ball was coming out the exact same time. In high school, the receiver's catching at about 10 or 11. In college, he's catching at about 14, 16. And in the pros, he's catching at 17 to 22. You know. There you go. But it was the same time clock. You know, and uh, when I finished, I had a couple of coaches came out and they go, that just blew my mind, <laughs> blew my mind, mm, you know. Sure. But, you know, we, in our system, a guy can get knocked down on a press if he'll keep the time clock in his head and break in the area he's supposed to be. He actually can run himself open on a broken mm. route. Uh, and our quarterback never feels stressed, you know. Mm -hmm. Of course, now we either go check down or scramble, you know, so we've got, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we read progressions and sometimes we just do a, you know, defender read. I and mean, we've got different types mm -hmm. of reads because sometimes I think quarterbacks process differently. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do all the two over threes and three over fours and mm -hmm. just repetition, I think. That's awesome, Coach. That's, I remember, I remember watching film and thinking, man, they, they do a really good job. I mean, like it's, it's a very well-developed offensive scheme. I remember y'all busted a screen on us late in the game. And I was like, Oh man, that's a good call. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you guys got us. That guy ran us to the end zone. <laughs> uh, fun stuff, man. It's uh man. What a game, you know, golly, it's just fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. Coach coach. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know we had like a time mix up. You thought like I was talking central time. I was like yeah. Eastern time, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us, coach. You're, you're, you're fantastic. Zach, this is a real pleasure. Uh, well, we've got a great network of coaches nationwide. Uh, you know, it's fun to see guys follow each other on Twitter and share ideas. I mean, there's never been a better time to be a young football coach to soak up mm, some I of the agree. best, schemes i've ever seen uh, and then the film that's available now you know you could spend all mm -hmm. day just on youtube and get as much information as a year of clinics you know so mm -hmm. i appreciate guys like you doing this because i know there's some young coach somewhere we don't know about hear this maybe be inspired or it'll it'll click a, a thought but I, I will say this uh we're always doing it for the kids and mm -hmm. Uh, one of my first quarterbacks is coming back to Bear Booster Club present this year, and he's a banker now and family man, loves the Lord, serves the Lord. Hmm. Those are the gratifying parts of coaching. So that's that's hmm. what keeps me ticking, you know. No doubt, Coach. I, you know, I don't feel like you know young men don't talk on the phone much anymore, but the love you coach text, I mean, man, yeah. that's like, God, that's it. Yes. Like that is what it's all about for sure. Amen. That's awesome, Coach. Coach, thank you. You are a gentleman and a scholar. And, uh, man, we will put this up here shortly. And, Coach, you just – I thank you for your time. Thank you for doing this with me. Anytime, Zach. Let's stay in touch.